0: Ephesians chapter 3. So far in the book of Ephesians, uh, the Apostle Paul has told us obviously a whole lot about God. Uh, but it's been centered around this new relationship. The idea that in the Old Testament God dealt with the Jewish people. And now that there's a period of time where this mystery, this curtain was revealed, is opened up. And this new age of, called the church age or the age of grace was revealed. This was, as I said, a mystery. It wasn't seen in the Old Testament. It is now revealed to the Apostle Paul and the others at this time. And that God would deal and with the church, which is Jew and Gentile, like everyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, trusted in him for their salvation, would be part of the church. And again, not a building, but the, the living body of Christ, all who believe being part of the church, so we see this new relationship or dispensation or administration, this way of God dealing with His people in this church age. We are it is different than it has ever been before. Before only the high priest could talk to God once a year behind this thick curtain, and now we all have access. That curtain. the curtain was torn in half from top to bottom when Christ died on the cross. The walls of partition were taken down so that all could access God in ways that had never been before. So in this new age, in this new period of time, things are are quite are quite different. Uh, let's read in Ephesians chapter three, starting in verse uh, twelve. In Him and through Him, and uh, in Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In this age, according to verse 12, there are no more walls, no more curtains, and that we have the opportunity in him through faith that we may approach God and to do this with freedom and confidence. That wasn't the case before this time. It was a a scary time when the high priest went in there. Uh, It wasn't a time of of necessarily confidence in the people because the relationship wasn't there that from in the church age in this time when we trust Christ as our savior we're sealed with the holy spirit of promise and we can go to God at any time we can call him as it says abba father that we can talk to him as this father relationship that we're going to talk a little bit about here today also so things have have changed and the apostle paul is one of the ones who is presenting this change this different thing to people by, by word of mouth, by, by speaking, by teaching, by preaching, by writing, and letting all of us know all about this. And if we try to, uh, to mix up the Old Testament and the New Testament, we're going to get all confused. We're going to start, you know... Uh, sacrificing animals and things in church or whatever it might be. Now, there's all those things in the Old Testament. I mean, did they all, are they all no good anymore? No, they're obviously very good, all right? You know, we read through and read the things like, you know, thou shalt not kill. I'm glad everybody's on the same page here, all right, that we don't have any of that going on. That, you know, all of these things are still real because we see them in the Old Testament taught. We see them reiterated by Jesus, when he was on the earth and then we see them confirmed in the epistles that are written to the church so that is usually our guide is this what I'm reading here in the old testament for today we'll take that truth if there's any question about it I mean if it's something that's not as obvious as thou shalt not kill and say well did Jesus talk about this or slash did we see it uh spoken of in the epistles for the church so that is how We can see, and that can kind of be our guide to understanding all of this as these changes happen. Now, will there be changes in the future yet? Obviously, all right? We're not getting into the book of Revelation today, but we know that that is is the case. So, the Apostle Paul was definitely of the old school. He was a a Jewish teacher, all right? He had had learned by one of the greatest uh, teachers of the time. And he was a a member of of the the ruling class uh, enforcing the law of God. So he was very familiar with all of this. And then, no pun intended, he saw the light. And then he trusted Christ as a savior. And now he is explaining the full counsel of God in ways that had never been explained before. So, you know, we always look and say, well... You know, how, how did I, how do I believe, how do I get to heaven? I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross at a period of time and paid the penalty for my sin, and by faith in him, I have everlasting life. Well, how about the people that are on the other side of the cross, where it didn't happen yet? It was still by faith in what would happen, all right, that, that the Savior would come, would die on the cross, this Messiah, the sent one. So, but whenever we start looking backwards and forward, sometimes it can get a little confusing, for the Apostle Paul, I had, feel, I had to feel that it was, it was at best overwhelming to be able to, like, wait a minute, we used to do it this way. And he actually, you know, partook in things that were detrimental to the church. And then he became part of it with a whole different thought process. So, I mean, you know, his, when he woke up in the morning, I'm sure every day his head was spinning. But So how did knowing all of this affect the Apostle? How did it affect him? Well, look at verse 14. What it did, for this reason, all that I just explained to you, as he's saying in chapters 1, 2, and, or this point up to uh, chapter 3, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. All of that has happened, all, all of this difference, this change has caused me to go to my knees, he says, before the Father. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Is that because of how the fact that how God deals with man has changed? In part, but I think more so because those truths changed the Apostle Paul. And what he used to be and what he is is so overwhelming. Um, you know, when we go down to, um, down to Southwood State Prison the first Sunday of the month, uh, I will often ask, uh, <laughs> so how many people in this room really thought, This is all guys, you know, like, how many really thought that someday they'd be sitting in a room with a whole bunch of other guys talking about God? And you just hear the snickers, like, yeah, nah, (laughs) yeah, definitely not, you know? You know, it's not what, and how many in this room thought when they were growing up, that, yeah, someday I can't wait, I'm going to be going to church every Sunday? You know, didn't see it. But what happened, that there was a change? Yes, maybe someone drug you by the ear, or whatever the case might be, but a change... Inside wrought a change on the outside. So I think that why he's on his knees is because he changed. All of this was not just information to him. It was reality. And so that he was changed from the inside out. The Apostle Paul, if you could put up Philippians 3, Andy, verses 3 to 10. uh, The Apostle Paul was a, I guess we say, haughty uh, Jewish Pharisee who was doing a life of good works to impress God and to impress others he says uh, for it is we who are the circumcision we who serve God by a spirit who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh though I myself this is apostle talking in the, in the book of Philippians I myself have reasons for such confidence in the flesh he's talking about if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in flesh I have more this is his his credentials here I was circumcised on the eighth day, which was the Jewish ritual, of course. Of all the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, meaning the word of God, I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. He did all that had to be done. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ he went through the law, and he spent his life doing his best, absolute best, to abide by everything that was written there. Now, it had to be a very frustrating thing, and we know that the Jewish traditions, that they made laws on top of the laws. So if there was a law that said you had to be in church on Sunday at 11 o'clock, they made a law that you had to be here at 9 o'clock. So that way you couldn't possibly break that law. And this was their whole life, was these layers of of things to either do or not do certain activity. But there was a lack of a relationship. So I said he lived a, a haughty life, which is how the leaders did at that time. We see cases of Jesus with the Pharisees go through the Gospels, where they're, you know, they're praying out in the, in the streets, uh, you know, publicly trying to embarrass others and make themselves look better. Uh, so we see that this is who he was. But now he is seeing God as, as what? As the giver of grace as a giver of grace, of one who was giving to others in a way that had never been done before. So the change has happened. He's no longer here to impress others. He is now serving God who accepts all by faith. Paul now sees God as the one who accepts people as they are. When he, and while we were yet sinners, remember, Christ died for us. It wasn't that you had to clean up your act first and then bring your case before a judge to say, okay, you're good enough, you can now proceed to God. No. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There was no cleaning up necessary prior to coming to God. That is what he wanted us. And then it's just like when we come to him in our, in our sorrows, when we come to him in our struggles, he meets us where we are. He doesn't say, well, you know, if you can catch up, all right, then, then I'll, I'll talk and we'll walk. No, he'll meet us there because that's the best way to give us a cracking head or a kick in the pants, whatever it is we might need, or a hug, Um, you know, whatever gets us going, is to be right there alongside of us. So the Apostle Paul now sees God in ways that he has never seen him before, because before he knew about God. He knew a lot about God. And now he knows God. So there is a difference. I often refer and quote from the book Knowing God by J.I. Packer, although I don't agree with all his doctrine, um, Incredible, incredible book, and it helped me very, very much in my life. Um, now over a million copies have been sold of this, and um, you know, it's not the easiest read, and uh, you know, so much packed information in it, but it's, you know, obviously the whole book about knowing God. A couple of quotes. Uh, Packer writes, he says, the conviction behind the book is that not knowing God lies at the root of much of the church's weaknesses today. Not knowing God lies at the root of much of the church's weakness today. Not the church's groups, but the church as a body, as people. He also writes, disregard the study of God, and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life, blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. That is what happened. And there are people who know a lot about the Bible who stumble and blunder and bumble and whatever else to get through life because they don't know God. So they're, they're hesitant in reaching out to God because they don't know him. And, you know, some, we can, you know, if somebody says to me, well, so-and-so said this, and I was a little puzzled by that. Well, you know what? Yeah, I, this is, you know, relax. This is what they, this is what they meant. All right. Why? Because I, I know that person. And if they said that, that's what they were thinking. All right. Because, you know, that person, you know what, what's going on. So to know God is to know him as a person, to know about his things like his long suffering, his goodness, his grace, to know what he wants in my life is to do a work as he was doing in the apostles life here so that I can I can know him and know him better he again the apostle paul knew much about god but he didn't know god until he accepted him as his savior on that road that day um like i said he he had the background look at uh, the verses in acts 22 uh, verses 3 to 5 more of uh about him he says i am i am a jew born in tarsus of cilicia Uh, But brought up in this city, I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way, that's what Christianity was called at the time, to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. As the high priest and the council can themselves testify, I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there To bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. We're talking about the Christians. This is what he did. Go back to the first uh, two screens there, Andy, Jeff. Um, I studied under Gamaliel, Gamaliel, however you pronounce it, uh, and was thoroughly trained in the law. Now he's talking about being trained in the Old Testament law, and this this man Gamaliel was a was a doctor of the law that, you know, he, obviously, that was his life. And, you know, to go through, as, as he would teach the book of Psalms, he would be able to include all the workings of God through the prophets, you know, taking it back to Genesis, you know, knew, knew his stuff. And you also see this man later standing up for Paul, okay, so that we see, you know, what appears many believe to be a change of heart and having him later come to God. But, you know, he was a, he was a master of the Sanhedrin, um, you know, of that ruling council. And from him, Paul learned all these scriptures. And, and this was the method of teaching at the time, which was becoming popular, where, you know, you sat with the teacher and it was, you know, the, the round table idea that where, where the students were able to have the back and forth and the teacher would spend. There was no, no bells. There was no, no schedule, all right? That, that they were there to learn and they stayed until they were done. So, you know, his learning and much was put into this. Uh, and especially to be able to have learned from probably the premier teacher of, of, the, uh, of that century. So, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul is proof that, that knowing the scriptures <clears throat> is not all that there is. But it is certainly a tremendous basis for and preparing us to know God. That if all you have is a knowledge of the scriptures and not the knowledge of God, obviously you're going to be what the Apostle Paul was, a very learned But far from God, angry dude running around chasing the wrong people down. However, to know God is the difference, and that is what happened. You know, as as uh, as, you know, Brooke and Aaron go off teaching the the, the kids. For all that have taught young children, you know, sometimes you scratch your head and wonder, is this really is this really doing something? You know, Uh, but what it is doing is is laying that foundation. And although you know, we in this, in this age are teaching them about the relationship with God, we don't know how much of that they're grasping, but they're learning about him and they're learning that he can be known. And so these are the things that are able to be in place for them to make decisions to walk with God for the rest of their life. So that is why, is why we do it, why we see it as important, because the actual idea of knowing God comes from, from a relationship, from seeing him work. And being aware that he is working and to say, okay, I, I see what's happening. I see, I see some change in, in my life or I see some change in, in another person's life. To see where God is, is working, something is happening. Uh, we know him by submitting to him. Submission is a difficult thing. We're, we're, you know, we like to be in control. Submitting to God and seeing him work in his way, in his time, in our lives. Communicating with him. You know, to be able to go back and forth, to, to give him our burdens, to cast all our care upon him because he cares for us. So that when, when we consider all that God has done to save us and to change us in that changing process, this should move us to prayer, to our knees, which is what he did here. Um, and that will happen at times. There's nothing, you know particular about the knees we'll get to that in a moment but this is why when Paul raised to the people of Thessalonica he says pray without ceasing all right don't stop doing it keep it going because sometimes when things get too bad or too good we stop the prayer thing all right when they start getting bad you know then we start kicking it back up again all right and if they're good for a long time and we're like and you know like oh, oh yeah thank you God you know for this you know just hit a home run that's wonderful you know and so but then you know as things start to slip you know, as long as we're in our comfort zone, but then all of a sudden, boom, sometimes it doesn't go this long process. There's kind of like a cliff involved. And then we're all crashed down, and then we're looking to God whenever these things and these things happen in our lives. So we pray without ceasing the idea of no matter what is going on, that we're in communication with him. We're right there with him. Uh, Philippians 4, verses uh, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes or transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. He listens. All right? Everything. Bring it all. This is as the old hymn says, bring it all to Jesus. Bringing it all. Lord, I'm thankful for this. And stopping and taking that moment, all right? I mean, it's, it's great we have a precious moment and we, you know, we capture it on our cameras and, and send it to somebody or put it on Facebook or whatever, but then but, that's good. But take the moment to thank God for that, you know, for that opportunity, for that relationship. So we see that Paul knelt before God and falling on one's knees, um, you know, is, is usually the result of being whelmed or overwhelmed, that something that affects us, either either by fact or by emotion, whatever it might be, or, or just simply passion or submission, that brings us to that point. We know that Ezra knelt when he confessed before God the sin of his people, that it was overwhelming, and so down he went. Daniel, when he learned of the decree of, of King Darius that prayer would be prohibited, what did he do? He went down on his knees. That was a heavy thing. And so, you know, heavy things tend to to bend us over and we maybe should yield to that and say, "Okay, God, let it bring me to my knees and let me bring this to you. And having said that, from the totality of scripture, I do believe that God, though, is more concerned about the posture of our heart than he is the posture of our body. But I will say that if God is putting you to your knees, then go to your knees. But remember, he is interested in our hearts. He's interested in, in what we have in here and what is going before him. But I said, Paul didn't hesitate to say it. Went down to my knees. That is how how overwhelming all of this was. Because I said, he was there as it was happening. He had it without, and he had it with. And I think we're in that take it for granted thing, because that's what we do. Um, so he prays. Verse 14 continues. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. What's he talking about here? That is intent maybe of, of this prayer, the content. Well, the word uh, father is pater, P-A-T-E-R, which means the, the patriarch or the generator of that family line. And family is patria, which which is us, which is the, all those who lay claim to a common origin. So he uses these words. They are family words that we would understand. So, you know, as father, picturing God as the one who started this new family, the church, through his son, Jesus Christ, and all of us as family who lay claim to God, our father. So this is who he's speaking of when he says, and who he kneels before, the father from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name, the whole family. Because some of our family is in heaven. There are, are obviously a lot of believers who have gone ahead before us and are absent from the body and present with the Lord. So our family is all over the place. But if we were to draw a line, as it says, in heaven and on the earth, including all of who have walked this trail before. So whether in heaven or on earth, whether in, in pews in an air-conditioned building or on the floor in a tribal village, it doesn't matter. All right, you could be high, they, believers hiding in a a closet or in a basement somewhere from the civil authorities that are not taken away, uh, you know, handcuffed in the prison or death. No matter what it is, the fact is that we are all one in Christ. And this is what he's getting across, that this picture is so much bigger. Because before it was, here it is, all right, the Jewish people, they had their thing, instead of reaching out, as I said, they built walls. And it's all like, this is us, and that's you. All right, and stay away from us. All right, because we have it all together here. We have access to God, and you don't, so we can't have any part of you. They were to be a light, and instead of building walls, they were to be shining brightly. So now he's explaining, guess what, guys? It's shining all over the place, all right? That it's not just here in this one little spot, as he writes from a a dungeon himself, as he's writing to people in one particular area or another. He's saying all over, and all those that, that have died in Christ, that have gone on before us, all one family going back to that that patriarch God who through Christ established us the church, and we are all his family. All that being said, what does he actually pray for? Um, We're just going to touch on it lightly in case uh, Jim wants to go over it a little bit more uh, in detail. But verses 16 and 19, let's look and see what it says. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power, through his spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, can you imagine trying to memorize those verses? There's a lot of words in there, and all kinds of words with meaning. I'm sure you couldn't, I mean, not many could memorize that in two different versions either. Because all the words that, that are, are changed throughout it. There is a lot that he is saying in there. And just to look at it, and, and I just wrote my list as I went through. I see he's praying for power, he's pay, praying for strength, for the inner man, for the partakers of the divine nature, for the abundance of power, that Christ may dwell in your hearts rooted and grounded in love and filled with the fullness of God and to understand the love of Christ. This was his prayer. This is how learning about God and the great things that God had done and was doing affected this man, that it brought him to his knees. And you notice there's nothing in there about their circumstances, He wasn't praying for a better day and and sunshine and and all this, you know, stuff going on, butterflies and things. He says, no, he says, what I'm praying for for you is for the power, the strength for the inner man to be strengthened, for things to happen in here to people, to humans where we are so concerned about what is happening out there because we're convinced that all that out there is affecting my in here. When my in here is affected by my relationship with God and how I view those things out there. He's trying to get this across that, that now what is happening is, is God is concerned about us here. Every single person being part of this family, being, having the ability to say Abba Father, to go boldly before the throne of grace, to lift our, our cares to him. And he accepts all of this. So that once, he wants something to happen in here. We can behave and be empty but he wants us to believe and be full so we prays for this power this strength things that happen inside of us this inner man to be changed and to take on not the nature of ourselves or the nature of our surroundings but to take be partakers of the divine nature so that things in us are matching up with things about god that when we read and see how Jesus walked and what he said, what he did, how he dealt with, with other people, that those kinds of things would be happening inside. And that Christ would dwell, that this would be a, a comfortable living place, all right, to dwell, to stay there, to always be refreshed by. That we talked about that word, I think, uh, last year one time we went on about that, that dwelling. And and to be have our roots go deep, to be grounded. But not in our own strength. It would be grounded in love. And what will we be full of? Like all happy and wonderful things and, you know, pretty flowers and butter. No, 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 no. Filled with the fullness of God. All right? That the God of the universe would be in us in ways that we had not seen before. And mostly he finishes up with understanding the love of Christ. All right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That the love of God, that the love of Christ to reach out and touch to be used by him in whatever way the father saw fit you know when i was looking at the verses on prayer and, and the position of prayer when jesus was was praying at the end of his earthly time where did he pray before the father remember he went a little further and he fell on his face and that was how he prayed so you know to have this kind of understanding of what he did on our behalf is what he wants this is what paul prayed for the story of a man who was begging at a train station years ago. And he approached an older man and asked if he had a dime. When the old man turned, uh, the young man saw his father looking at him. He hadn't seen his father for nearly 20 years. And the father immediately embraced his son and through his tears said, a dime? He says, my son, I've been searching for you for years. So that I could give you everything that I have let 's pray, Father and God, thank you, Lord. thank you that we can know more and more about you. I thank you that Lord you've revealed yourself to us in a way that we can understand. Lord all of us with different backgrounds, uh, different different futures, different understanding levels, Lord, whatever it might be, different ways of learning, uh, Lord you 've revealed yourself in a way that everyone can learn about you. Lord, we give thanks for those that are, are serving in areas, Lord, to, uh, to bring your gospel and, and your Bible, Lord, into the hands and to the minds of people who don't have it in their own language. We pray for that work to continue. Lord, we pray that we would be open to you working in our lives, to you, Lord, that we could be partakers of that divine nature, that, Lord, we wouldn't be dependent upon the circumstances of life to determine our course, but we would be dependent, Lord, upon you and the direction through your spirit, Lord, in our lives. Lord, so that we could... Uh, serve you and be used by you in ways that bring you honor and bring you glory and lord as we see the the apostle lord who is overwhelmed lord may we put ourselves at times lord in that position of of being submissive and 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 to the point lord of of seeing you in ways that we haven't seen before thank you lord for those that are in this room that that teach others that teach children uh, lord to take the time lord to uh, to spend and to uh, pass on the truths of your word Uh, for the parents lord and the many challenges that they face, uh, that they would be godly examples uh, in this world so that their children, Lord, would learn of you through their lives. Again, Lord, I thank you. We love you. Uh, thank you for bringing us here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Please rise.